it's really odd that like the the films that came out this weekend are just all over the place and are all just like this is I think the busiest weekend in terms of big releases because you get two big animated films you get Ryan the Last Dragon which is Disney Premier Access which just came out yesterday I believe yes and you got Sponge on the Run mm. March 4th part of Paramount Plus everyone's favorite new streaming service <laughs> Uh, which also early rental because, you know, why not just have that as an option? Then you have Coming to America, which is, you know, yeah. in, been in development for, I mean, I think off and on for a while, but now is, I think, a big prime release this weekend. And then the weirdest one that I completely forgot was happening was Chaos Walking. Oh, Chaos yeah, yeah, Walking yeah. comes out this weekend. Yeah. And it's theater only. Yeah. It's not, no streaming. No, nothing. It is like yeah. straight up. Like you have to just. I. I mean, I think when I do an opening weekend stuff, it's like the way I would describe it is. I don't think it's worth risking your safety to go see in the theater, but if you're just <laughs> begging to go see it, right. I guess see it in a matinee and hope no one shows up. Yeah, <laughs> which probably no one will. Yeah, I don't think that'll be too tall in order. No, I mean, gosh, it's. This is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> we'll just get right into it. Hey, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. This is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today we're starting and ending a new trilogy. This is a one-and-done type episode. Uh, we just came off of our before trilogy. And of course, in classic fashion... We come off of a trilogy that we loved unequivocally to a trilogy that we have a lot of opinions on. <laughs> a, a trilogy of diminishing returns. Yes. In today's episode, in case you didn't listen to Before Midnight yet, which you should definitely do because that is a better movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, we are doing today the SpongeBob SquarePants theatrical trilogy. Because the thing about SpongeBob is, like, I think if you count movies as in like 60 minutes or longer maybe event stuff like spongebob has at least 10 yeah like event movies. movies yeah if you stuff, add the tv yeah. stuff to it like i think we were talking about the other day i think like that plankton crabs like they weren't always enemies yeah. episodes like a double episode right, right you've got right. the atlantis episode with bowie yeah you got spongebob versus the big one or whatever the yeah. johnny depp one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's like we're Atlanta doing square pantas. Yeah. And the reason why we're doing this is pretty much cut clean cut. We have we have a new film out yep. for it that finishes the trilogy and I think we'll hope to God finish any theatrical releases for SpongeBob. Yeah, at this point and, I can't imagine mm-hmm. they would continue in any productive way. Yeah. With theatrical. <laughs> oh, for sure. And in case you don't know what the trilogy is, the trilogy is 2004's The SpongeBob SquarePants Movie. The one that you probably know as the SpongeBob Movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next one is 2015's The SpongeBob Movie, Sponge Out of Water. And then the last one is was going to be 2020, but due to a little thing you might have heard of called COVID, is now 2021 (laughs) with the SpongeBob Movie, Sponge on the Run. With a caveat. Yeah, to be be specific, uh, something you would call... The USA's handling of COVID. Yes. Because uh, it, it did come out in 2020 in every other country besides the United States. Yep. Because the, we blew it. Because the thing, too, is this film is considered a 2020 film to everyone but North America mm-hmm. because it came out either in theaters or on their version of Netflix. Yep. 
or I mean, and then for us, due to the fact that, you know, Seabiss All Access is still alive, but they wanted to rebrand it because who the fuck wants CBS All Access in the state? CBS All Access doesn't already have it. Yeah, it's not Yeah, it doesn't appealing. roll off the tongue. Yeah. Like Paramount Plus, which is what it is now. Yeah. And um, as we're recording this, uh, Saturday, March 6th, yeah, Paramount Plus has been out for two days, and already it has the SpongeBob Babies equivalent show where it's yeah. you know, young SpongeBob. And um, yeah, it's clear that clear the new movie is kind of a setup for the new show, the spinoff they're trying mm-hmm. to do, Camp Coral. Yeah, which, like you said, is a prequel series about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, it's like uh, what's the the Looney Tunes babies or whatever. I think the biggest is Muppet Babies. Is Muppet what I think babies, of because yeah. Muppet Babies. The reason why I think the biggest reason why SpongeBob SquarePants, the Camp Coral, with two Ks, because you know. <laughs> cool for the kids i guess the fact that that show exists is solely because in the 80s the muppet jim henson company did the muppet babies and it was such a gangbuster move that literally every company i think has had their version of muppet babies like looney tune babies yeah i think disney's had their version at one point and then of course now paramount's trying to milk a dead cow (laughs) so why not milk a dead cow in the past right with apparently two shows, right? Because they're, oh, doing... yeah, they're doing the the Cleveland show, or <laughs> rather the the Patrick Star yeah. show, which is, is basically the Cleveland show equivalent to SpongeBob. Yeah. And it's, and I'll be completely upfront and honest. When it comes to talking about these films, it's going to be pretty clean cut and a very little in terms of like actual criticism because it's very clear which one's the best out of these three, yeah, and what's wrong with the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the, it's yeah. The the second yeah. and third movies in this trilogy have many mm-hmm. of the same problems. Yes, and the problem is basically that the creator of SpongeBob, Stephen Hillenburg, is not really involved. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's, it's one the of those, same problem as yeah. with the TV show. Yeah, I mean, I, I will. I'll be honest. This was not my idea initially. This was your idea right. initially, and I think what I'm sorry. really no, I mean it's not your fault. <laughs> I mean, I mean technically it is, it is but my I, fault yeah, on it but like I point. I agreed to it because in all honesty, I have genuinely been curious about the latter two films because SpongeBob, as of this year, in case you didn't know, is 22 years old. Yeah. This series has lasted longer than the shows that it was an underdog to, and eras of Nickelodeon that have just come and gone. And it's now at a point where, like, this show is supposed to be done, but there isn't even an end date to SpongeBob yet. Yeah. Like, this is supposed to be the last film that's kind of like to cap off the series. And Nickelodeon hasn't even announced when the series is ending. Yeah. So it's like this show has been around long enough that it can fucking drink illegally if it was yeah. a person. Yeah, it's like, in it, Simpsons territory. It probably would have graduated college this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just to think, like, looking back at it, just like. Going right into the first film, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, I saw that in theaters, I believe, with my grandpa. I don't think so. I, uh, I, I loved that film. I still do. I and I genuinely believe that that film, especially in that era, because what's so interesting about that first film is that film is in the era where um, basically it is post Rugrats movie, where Rugrats movie does so fucking well in theaters that Disney. Nickelodeon, I think at one point Cartoon Network tried but didn't, but they were basically like, we can make theatrical versions of our cartoons and make a shit ton of money off of these. Yeah. Because, like, after that you have 
Rugrats in Paris, the Wild Thornberries movie, Rugrats Go Wild, the Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries crossover film. You have like, a, like Nickelodeon movies becomes a production company solely because of like how good Rugrats movies right. Rugrats is. You have Disney Channel like doing like trying to do Disney Channel movies, which ultimately leads to I think the death of that being the Teacher's Pet movie <laughs> that just didn't do well at yeah. all. And then you get to this point where like at 2004. I mean, they've pretty much like wrung the wrung the like rag dry. Yeah. And in comes the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, and in all honesty, the perfect time in the show, the perfect time theatrically for just fans, and just in all honesty, writing wise, because the biggest issue with the latter two films is that none of the writing in the latter two films even come close to the execution, the pacing, and the quality that the first film has. Yeah, because it's like again, why why is that the case? It's pretty clean cut. Who directed this film? The creator of the show himself. Yeah. Plus one of the co-directors who will ultimately make Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. So he knows like this guy has. They both have talent. Right. Right. And it's just it's so astounding. Just like when we watch the first one again, I mean, there wasn't really a nostalgic factor to it because I think I've seen it enough times just throughout the years. Yeah, recently enough. Yeah, yeah, but, but like, this one, just watching again, I I mean, there are some bits that I completely forgot happened and, like, I just caught for the first time. And the fact that, like, I think the thing that really, like, jumps out at me the most about this one compared to the other two is, like, both Sponge Out of Water and Sponge on the Run as films have moments where they throw gags that are either just, like, random and that's why it's funny or just like cameos <laughs> yeah cameos from people that like kids wouldn't know yeah it feels I mean, a lot less um self-assured to just get by on its own merits yeah than like the first one did you know because there's not really i mean you know you get david hasselhoff in the first yeah. movie but like i don't know that that's more of a throwaway gag and he's kind of you know mm-hmm. You never really lose focus on SpongeBob and Patrick, whereas yeah. like the cameos. In, oh yeah. In the later ones, it's like the movie stops and we watch Snoop Dogg do his Snoop Dogg thing, yeah. or we watch Keanu I, Reeves do his Keanu thing. I think the biggest issue is you see. I think some people would see that David Hasselhoff cameo in the original film and think, "Oh, it's just funny because it's David Hasselhoff, right. and there's no payoff." No, it's David Hasselhoff is funny because in the film, immediately as he's introduced. He is give. He basically becomes the boat that gets them yeah, yeah. to the island, and the final conference. One of the final confrontations with one of the antagonists is on Hasselhoff's on back, back. Yeah. and it's like it's funny to the point where like it doesn't matter if kids don't know who that is. It's the fact that like this man is like being the savior to these two, yeah. and is like becoming a jet ski out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and has just like funny weird lines and. Right. And then you see the sec- the, the other two films, and it's like, as much as I love Matt Berry, as much as I think Snoop Dogg is great, and, you know, seeing Danny Trejo, it's always nice that he gets a paycheck. <laughs> but, like, when you see when you see them in these films, it's just like, I, I feel like you've missed, like, what made the Hasselhoff thing funny. It's like, they, the Hasselhoff bit doesn't stand there for five minutes. 
Yeah, and go. It's yeah. funny because it doesn't make any sense. They just immediately get to the next. Yeah, thing. that's what I was getting at. You never really lose focus of yeah. SpongeBob or SpongeBob and Patrick yeah. or whoever mm-hmm. you know the the main characters. Yeah, it's it's just there for added you know effect mm-hmm. and flavor. Whereas yeah, in these later movies, it's they're they're show stopping cameos and they're show stopping for no reason. Yeah, and you're sitting there for two minutes just watching ex celebrity. Mm-hmm. do their ex their you know their their celebrity thing and yeah. halt the movie because it's it's i think the most fascinating thing about the trilogy itself just watching it almost as as a retrospective but also with the newest film being like all right this is what spongebob is literally right now because this is what this film is cementing yeah. is like this is spongebob in 2020 2021 for us and um and what it ultimately shows is like how like the first film feels very much like it is for millennials, like from middle mid to late millennials, maybe peeking into early Zoomers. Yeah, Sponge Out of Water entirely for Zoomers, right? And then Sponge on the Run is for very young uh, Gen yeah. Z. Yeah, it's... and it's like, and it's fine, and like, and that's the thing too is like we talked about this when we watched Sponge on the Run. Like, if you have kids who enjoy this film, hell, if you enjoy the latter two sequels. I'm glad you enjoyed those movies, we're, but we're going to talk about the fact that we did not enjoy these films <laughs> as the fans of the the original four seasons. I mean, I'd yeah, say the the original four, four. four seasons, yeah, because yeah. the it was the first three seasons, then the movie, movie. and then the fourth season, mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of just sort of gradually peters off after mm-hmm. that. And I don't know, they're in like season seventeen or something now. Yes, because they they don't yeah. do seasons by year; they do seasons as just yeah. kind of arbitrary collections of episodes yeah they basically follow the the kind of the trend that kind of pushed around the adventure time era which was uh i think they're now called they were called bombs per se oh, where it yeah. was like they would have a bomb we'll like, drop three episodes mm-hmm. on this friday yeah. and then yeah it was basically yeah cause it was a big thing where it was like oh you're gonna put you're gonna put this 12 minute show into a 24 minute slot then we put an old episode with a new episode yeah and that'll be good for a while and then it got to a point where they're like hey how about we just Take a hiatus for a few months. Come back for a week. Have five new episodes in that week, and mm-hmm. then we come. We do the same thing here and there. Yeah. And that's kind of what it seems like SpongeBob is doing now. I mean, hell, I just looked it up. The last episode of SpongeBob that was aired was in October. Oh wow! So it's like it's still like I mean, the last bomb I think is still got a few more left. Yeah. Before they ultimately do the hey kids, I think this is done like, kind of thing. <laughs> And it's, again, it's the most wildest thing about it is the fact that, like, when the SpongeBob SquarePants movie came out, it was almost as if studios were like, can we even, is it even profitable to do cartoon theatrical films anymore? Right. And it's like, oh, wait, it works. Okay, cool. That's great. And then, like, it basically pittered off again. Mm-hmm. And then, like, here comes 2015. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's been 11 years SpongeBob is in a new peak to a degree, I think, probably popularity-wise. It's, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Cause like with the most, I mean, it probably was peaking with its younger, like its yeah. second audience, mm-hmm. you know. And then with the last film, with Sponge on the Run, it's pretty much clear that it's like, it's going to be an end of an era, sooner, sooner than later. So it's like, we might as well cap it off with a new type of film and just come... It's I mean this it's the smallest gap between films because you know I mean the first film and the second yeah, it film it's eleven years. yeah and then water five. and run yeah it's five so it's like or six if six you're in America in <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's just it's so unique to see 
this show be around for 22 years and animation change so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the at the time when SpongeBob initially came out, it was at the tail end of like, like Nickelodeon was using Rugrats reruns. Right. And, you know, Ah Real Monsters, that era of like 90s Nickelodeon that they were not really beating into the ground just yet, but they were starting to right. kind of like put into syndication even more. Yeah, well, and SpongeBob also kind of came off the end of like a bunch of the really weird stuff. I mean, like, yeah. wasn't Cat Dog like late 90s? Cat Dog, Angry Beavers. Angry Beavers, yeah. Uh, and SpongeBob, I mean, if you think, SpongeBob seems so commonplace now. Yeah. And obviously mainstream because it is in mm-hmm. huge, but like, it's a, it's a pretty weird concept, you know? And when you Absolutely. think about, like, if you've ever looked into Steven Hillenburg and how he came up with the show and everything, you know, he was a like a marine biologist or at least a, you know, an avid enthusiast. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, you know, it's just kind of an odd concept. Let's take these little, you know, brainless sea critters that <laughs> hover along the bottom of the ocean and make a little community out of them. And I don't it's th- odd. Yeah. It's weird. And it, like the style, the style of humor is also bizarre, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is, you know, why it has lasted so long with, you know, the people who grew up with it initially is because like, Mm-hmm. the way we interpret the humor and the the ways that it sticks with us kind of change as we get older you know it's weirdly morbid at times and yeah a little bit cynical here and there and you know kind of just perverse in weird ways but ultimately you know just kind of wholesome and sweet yeah i mean i mean there's no way to better describe how much has changed in spongebob's life than to watch I mean, watch trailers or just watch watch snippets of the most recent episodes and then just watch the very first episode Help Wanted mm-hmm. and see that Help Wanted is it – is, it is selling a show that is clearly an underdog right. to a degree where it's like not only is it a wild show, not only is it like – weirdly not scary but like weirdly like ominous like that's that's the anchovies like taking over crusty yeah, crab yeah, yeah. but it also ends the episode on a tiny tim song which is uh, yeah. you know most people would know him as the tiptoe through the tulips right, right. guy but that is that guy is an out that's outsider music <laughs> like no one would ever pick that song unless you're into that weird shit right which hillenberg which, obviously was yeah. Because Hillenburg was the weird same in the reason, best way. Same reason Ocean Man is the ending song of the movie. Truly one of the best choices. Nobody, no studio executive was picking Ween for the, no. for the final song of the SpongeBob no. and movie. thank God they didn't. Yeah. I love the fact that Hillenburg knew the knew Ween. He <laughs> was like, I'm going to put you in the, I'm going to put you in the movie. Yeah, it's and, clearly a show born out of you know yeah. an an outlier's brain. Yeah, because I think the other the other two shows that are huge around the same time as SpongeBob are Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, and those they, are, they came almost right on the yeah. heels, right? Yeah, and those are both zany and wacky at times, but I do not think they were on the same level as SpongeBob was. Well, I don't. Yeah, they just maybe never. And I'm not found saying the, yeah. the same kind of. Mm-hmm. balance that spongebob found because you know jimmy neutron especially was really bizarre in some places oh, no. and well i'm not I'm, i will say i'm not saying quality wise there were shows i just think like oh i am so <laughs> <laughs> I, I as fans of all that's three, fair no yeah i mean i, I think spongebob's a better show but uh or uh, prime spongebob i agree yeah, right. i agree with that of no, the yeah. time yeah yeah and yes yeah, so as a fan of all three too at the time it's like yeah 
SpongeBob stuck out the most because it was frenetic. It had lovable characters, you know, memorable lines, mm-hmm. and they were eleven to twelve minute episodes, and they were done. And yeah, I think that was a huge part of it because mm-hmm. what I mean, Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron were both full twenty two minute episodes. I think they? Fairly Odd Parents was half and half too. Oh, I think okay, it was eleven okay. to twelve mixed that, together. That was something I always felt with Jimmy Neutron was there was always a lot more dedicated to the like yes. plots of each episode. It was, there was a lot more intricate and you know spongebob is mm-hmm. almost you know it's a couple steps away from a skit show yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i think like spongebob hit so well in the i mean 99 onward is because when it first hit it was basically how looney tunes was in its heydays yeah where it's it like that same a, almost abstract kind of yeah less about the plot more about the mm-hmm. gags yeah it's it's wild because of the funny face they made or the fact that like it cut to a random thing but the <laughs> yeah. random thing isn't the joke they actually had a joke tied to the randomness right, right. And, and the random thing just yeah. makes it more <laughs> bizarre or unnerving yeah. or yeah impressive or and, and the joke to the random thing should never just be oh my god isn't that funny that it's random like how yeah, did a character right. say that like what should really happen is because to me the most random thing that happens in spongebob is the is the gorilla underwater joke yeah what episode is that that is the episode where spongebob breaks his ass and is scared to yeah, leave yeah, his yeah, pineapple yeah shatters his butt yeah skiing or whatever sand yes. Sam and he has sledding. like and he has like a tissue, a Pringles chip, and like yeah. a, a, a paper clip. But the the episode ends with them saying gorillas can't breathe underwater, and then the gorilla gets on a horse and then rides away, and then it just zooms out to a family watching the episode, disgusted, yeah, and turns it off. And that's funny because the randomness just keeps going. And it just becomes memorable because it's, like, committing to the joke. Right. And at a certain point, you know, there's this kind of – there's a self-awareness to it that's not – it's not winking at you. But it's just, like, we know how stupid this is right now. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Just just bear with us for a few more seconds Mm -hmm. while we wrap this up. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a huge thing of what separates old SpongeBob from new SpongeBob and, you know – by proxy the first spongebob movie to the later spongebob movies is the like it's self-awareness without necessarily being you know attention calling i feel Mm -hmm. like every time the the newer movies try to be whether you know meta or self-aware they're like screaming at you hey look at how we're we know what stupid thing we're doing you know like isn't this goofy that we're doing this and the, the old spongebob was more like yeah, let's just do this stupid thing and put it out there and yeah. see if people respond to it instead of, you know, cloying and being like, hey, look how stupid we're being. Yeah, a, a big a big MacGuffin-type thing in Sponge Out of Water is the fact that they find a page to a storybook that has their story in it, yeah. and they're able to change the ending because they have a quill and they can just rewrite the story. Like a right. very meta thing. And then in the third film, I mean, thankfully it doesn't get as meta, but at the same yeah. time they have a moment where Patrick is like, I see this as a buddy comedy adventure. Right. And SpongeBob's like, no, I see this as like the lone hero, you know, of yeah. trying to get what he's lost in the world. And it's like, this isn't funny yeah. in the way you think it is. Like, it's not, it doesn't really work <laughs> because it's like, it's just bashing you over the head. Right. Well, and there's not really any joke to it other than just hey look at us knowing what this movie is yeah don't you see we get it 
we're in on the joke. <laughs> it's it's great. It's, it's hilarious because it makes no sense. Yeah. And, and it, it's just yeah. It's just kind of a shame cuz you know, I mean the the second and third movies really do some interesting things with like the animation. Mhm. And and the second one more than the third one, even conceptually with the story, do some interesting things. I mean, I think the Sponge Out of Water pairing SpongeBob with Plankton as opposed to, yeah. you know, pu- pairing him with Patrick again or whatever, you know, it yeah. is a clever thing to do. Um, but ultimately, with both the second and third, it ends up coming down to the writing and just mm-hmm. the the you know minute or moment to moment execution of like you know how are we trying to be entertaining in this moment how are we trying to be heartfelt and you know most of those moments they just it they feel very like barely first draft yeah it's like you write it to your you know you're writing it to yourself and you think oh that's funny isn't it it's funny right and then you kind of convince yourself that what you just wrote was funny but then you never hand it to anybody else to tell you whether or not it's funny yeah um, I, I mean, that's I, what the second and third feel like to me. It, feel, it just feels kind mm-hmm. of unrefined. Mm-hmm. I will say, just as a positive across the board, the animation in the original film is phenomenal. Yeah, Out of Water's phenom- uh, animation is pretty great, especially the CG stuff is surprisingly great. Yeah, the camera work has some cute little moments when in terms of like sizes yeah. and whatnot. And the third one's animation. I think is gorgeous, oh, and I think yeah. it's shocking it's how in, good it looks yeah, and how it still keeps the energy. Yeah, practically in that same league of, like, you know, recent kind of animation groundbreakers like, you know, the Lego movie and Into the mm-hmm. Spider-Verse yeah. and the Peanuts movie where it's like, you know, they're really playing with, okay, this is clearly animated in a 3D space, yeah, you know, virtual 3D space, but we're, like, applying the rules of 2D animation. It's, it seems so stupidly easy where it's like, no, just put 2D characters on 3D models. And it's like, no, that well, shouldn't, yeah, that shouldn't still work. still treat them like they're yeah. 2D. It's like, it shouldn't work, yeah. but it, oh my god, it, it does. does. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, the biggest issue for me personally with the films uh, is, first film is great. Uh, I don't have many, I don't have really I, any issues with the first yeah, one. I, I don't think the just first... About a, I don't think the first film's a perfect film for me personally yeah. in terms of like, you know, it's a five out of five, but it, it is perfect entertainment wise to me. And that's what matters. Yeah. Uh, but the, the issues that I have with the sequels is sponge out of water feels like a film where 75% of the film is about SpongeBob and Plankton trying to find what the plot of the film should be. Yeah. Well, sponge on the runs issue is it knows exactly what the plot is, but it derails it and slows it down so early on that, we can't get to what we need to get yeah, to it's, until it's too late. It's and like pacing wise. Yeah, it's constantly like throwing speed bumps in its yeah. own path. Like, yeah, from the first twenty minutes, you know exactly what the plot of the movie is. Yeah, and where it's going. But then I'm, they spend the rest of the time like, oh, Snoop Dogg cameo. Oh, dream sequence. Oh, Keanu Reeves yeah. shows up again. Oh, you know we gotta go gambling in Atlantic City. Oh. It's it's a lot of like SpongeBob and Patrick, similar to the second film. Uh, second film has SpongeBob and Plankton just standing around, being like, "Well, what do we do next?" Then yeah. Sponge on the Run is just SpongeBob and Patrick being like, "Well, what do we do next?" And then it's like in the second film, it's like I don't know, maybe a time machine will work. Right. And in the third film, it's like Keanu Reeves shows up in a tumbleweed and says, "You have to go here." Yeah. And it's like that's the film. While as in the first film. It was clean cut. You have to get here, and this is how you get to there. And yeah. they just get to there. And they and go. That's and of all course there are diversions along yeah. the way, but those are diversions that, you know, lend themselves to 
moving the action along or even, you know, growing the characters. You know, yeah. the whole arc about, you know, mm-hmm. now that we're men in the first yeah. movie is, Ugh. you know, SpongeBob and Patrick, particularly SpongeBob, kind of acknowledging or, yeah. you know, at first ignoring and then acknowledging their their yeah. kid natures. Because the first film is, is, his whole arc is about accepting his insecurities and his childlike manner and being proud of that yeah. and being like, yes, I am a goofball. I am a dork. I can be an idiot at times, but I'm me. I know it and I'm proud of it. Yeah. And that is a good fucking lesson for kids. Yeah. And, and I the can't second, really figure out what the second, third a films. In yeah. the second and third film. In the second and third film. The third film just... probably has more of a lesson than the second one. Yes. Just because it's the whole like all of SpongeBob's friends you know, yeah. gather around and learn to appreciate SpongeBob, but like, but we should talk about what happens when they do the whole. How we sh- we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Andy just nearly collapsed just yeah. having to discuss this. So, you know, Sponge of the Water, its biggest issue. I think both these sequels feel like they're just like they should just be sixty-minute television episodes. Yeah, that are now ninety minutes. Well, right. as the first film feels like. It's just under 90 minutes, but it feels like the perfect theatrical response to the first four, first three seasons yeah. of the show. It's how would we, yeah. how would we take an mm-hmm. episode or maybe a double long episode of SpongeBob and make it into a full movie? Yeah. How this do we, how, how do we add another 30 minutes onto what could just be a double <laughs> yeah. episode? And the answer is, I don't know. For the second film, and the third answer, film's answer is, we, we'll do this, but really slow down the pacing yeah. so we hit 90. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Right. Like, it was, yeah, because, like, I mean, like you said, like, in the first 20 minutes of Sponge on the Run, you're like, I know, I know what this is. Hell, when I found out, I was like, oh, man, is this another Plankton, like, tries to fucking steal the formula thing? Even when I figured that out, I was like, oh, I'm still. At least I'm, we have direction. I was like, I'm still on board. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what this leads to. And then the action that happens in Sponge on the Run is so just all over the place and uneven and yeah. not funny, and, and well, but if it is funny, it's very it's microseconds of humor, yeah, and then it just goes on. Yeah, it fortunately does have you know a, just a tiny bit of that old SpongeBob language where it's like you notice just one thing that a character is doing for half a second, and you're like, yeah. okay, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, and this movie does the third movie does have some of that, but it's like that's all it has. To, to me, occasional moments of yeah. like, oh, were you paying attention there? Yeah. To <laughs> me, the most consistent moments for that would be with Plankton's animation. Yeah, yeah. Plankton's animation and his like laughing and his ex, you know, Mr. Lawrence's fucking over the top expressions. Yeah. It's like th- those things were the way where it's like, okay, this is this is funny. I like this. I genuinely think this is a this will be a very interesting topic a decade from now, where a lot of the kids who saw these films will probably be old enough where it's like, hey, do you can you tell me why you like this? Right. Like I just kind of like I just want to like because I, I I mean I definitely felt like an old man watching yeah. these two films to a degree where it's like I don't want to be hating on the SpongeBob <laughs> right, films, right. but like. Well, Man, these are just yeah. We were kind of talking about that right as we were watching the movie, or right afterward, about how like, you know, if if yeah, if kids are watching this new SpongeBob movie and loving it, like good for them. You know, I'm glad they're entertained, that sort of thing. Um, you know, there were plenty of things that we as kids watched that we now look back on as like I would get no entertainment out of this now. God, if you called my mom but, like, and dad, they would give you a fucking laundry list of things <laughs> that they would shit on. Maybe things I would even forget that I watched, yeah. but uh, but you know, I mean, I guess that's that's the d- 
distinguishing factor, right? You know, I mean, we loved the SpongeBob movie as kids, but we still love it as opposed to all the things we loved as kids that we don't care about anymore. Yeah. And it's like, will will Sponge on the Run be a movie that, you know, the kids who love it now will still love when they're 20? I can't imagine, but maybe, you know, know. It's a, it might be a different cultural language. Maybe we are old men. Well, we're now also <laughs> in an era uh, with the sequel coming out this year, God, is uh, we are now in a weird Space Jam nostalgia era where there are people who love that film unequivocally and won't admit that it, like, has oh, yeah. bad... No, I mean... I honestly, personally, kind of hate that movie. At least actually watching it. I mean, I... I appreciate the meme of it and a lot of the jokes that came out of it, but actually sitting down and watch it, I have a miserable experience I, I, I freaked out one of my roommates one time because he, I think, put it on and I sat down and I just would just recite lines verbatim because I had watched it so many times as a kid. I love that movie... Nostal- like as a nostalgic thing. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just fun because it's like, oh, it's things I love. Looney Tunes. Right. And I know very little about but also enjoy Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And it's fun animation. Yeah. And it's like at a, even at 25, I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> if that's all I can get, I guess, right now. Right, yeah. But then we now have a point where it's like we're getting Space Jam, the new legacy with LeBron. Yeah. yeah. And I'm – and all the state, I was watching that, I was like – it's got beautiful animation, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what am I talking about? The original's not good. <laughs> right. The original's not good. I mean, as much as I love the theme song and the fact that, I mean, R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly is good, even though he's an awful person. Yeah. Um, It's just so weird that, like, Sponge of the Water and Sponge on the Run definitely have that vibe of, like, oh, my God, like, there are going to be kids who grow up to this and, and love these films probably unequivocally to a degree. I don't think it's going to be as a big of a vocal minority as people who love Space Jam. Yeah. Or, like, vocal majority. Because I think a lot of people who love Space Jam love it in a nostalgic, also very distant way. Like, they didn't just yeah. watch it yesterday. Right. Like, they're like, ooh, Toon Squad, you know, come on and slam. I love it. Yeah, I guess I just <laughs> wonder gonna be... with these la- later two movies how much there is to, like, pick apart as you kind of grow with the show. Because I feel like, you know, particularly with the first movie, as with those episodes of the show from that time, mm-hmm. there's so much to appreciate even as you, quote-unquote, outgrow it. Yeah. There's so much to look back and be like, oh, that was funny in a way I didn't think about as a kid or oh that means a totally different thing to me now than it did then and it's yeah. like well I, I i don't know maybe it is you know just the gen the i guess what you would call the generational divide but i i'm having a hard time seeing that out of mm-hmm. these later two movies of like you know i'm willing to accept okay there's plenty of this in here that i'm not appreciating because i'm an adult and not a kid mm-hmm. but okay, the kids who are watching this now, will they still be able to appreciate it when they're not kids anymore? And it's just hard to say. That's a wait and see. Yeah. That's what's so crazy about it is like, I mean, that's also what's so interesting about talking about the SpongeBob property as a whole is this trilogy is so unique because I don't think there's any other modern cartoon that's had to deal with the issue or at least the situation of the original creator wanted the first film to be the last thing SpongeBob related. Right. And then basically got pushed out to a degree. <laughs> yeah. And for years and years, basically got inched out more and more until he had no involvement. 
And then, unfortunately, after the second film, I think a few years after the second film. Yeah, it was like two, three years ago. Yeah, passed away. Yeah. Um, And then this is the first film without Hillenburg being alive. And it it fucking shows. I mean, Sponge of the Water also had like a, it shows that Hillenburg has nothing to do with this. Right. Because at this point, and it it happens, it happens with punk bands that become popular. (laughs) It happens to indie films that become a hit years after SpongeBob is not the underdog anymore. It hasn't been that for over a decade. Yeah. SpongeBob is now the norm. Like that's what's so weird about the show is like when the movie came out, like the movie is astounding because it's like, whoa, this was big enough in its first three seasons that Nickelodeon was willing to give this a film. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like here we go. And then after that it's like SpongeBob became the Nickelodeon mascot <laughs> through and through. Yeah. Even though there were better shows coming through at the time that SpongeBob was going on, you got Avatar. I mean, I think Danny Phantom at times is pretty much is better than their later seasons of Avatar or later seasons of SpongeBob, but like it just never hit the same. Yeah. I mean, it just is so wild to think about that. It's also right. wild to think about we talked about after we're done with Sponge on the Run, that both these films, on the run especially is playing into the meme of Spongebob more than anything that I've ever seen. Like we talked about too after we watched Out of Water, is that in Spongebob Squarepants, the movie, the band, the the performers involved with music-wise is Avril Lavigne singing the Spongebob Squarepants movie song. (laughs) Um, In the second film, we have Pharrell. Pharrell. We have Pharrell. We have the epic rap battle guys making a rap battle for one segment of the film. And then in Sponge on the One, we get two Weezer songs, one a cover and one original for the film. We get a Snoop Dogg bit. We get a Snoop Dogg bit. Uh, and we get a, let's be honest here, a TikTok dance song yeah. called The Krabby Step with Tyga and Sway Lee. Yeah. Set to and, like a remixed version of one yeah. of the classic SpongeBob tune, like background yeah. tunes. It sounds like a to a degree stepwise like a Drake TikTok song. Yeah. yeah. Like the one that came out last year. And it's that's the kind of eras these films are coming out in. They're yeah. vastly different eras. Like right. it's so weird to think that it's like, oh my God, Avril Lavigne was the hit performer for the <laughs> first film. Yeah. And here we are now. <laughs> yep. And it's it's hard not to watch Sponge on the Run and think like they it's derailed because they have a whole dream sequence for the memes. Yeah. For like, oh boy, I can't wait to see the when your when your dad catches you not doing homework like you said you were supposed to, and then you put like a sponge on the run like cap. Yeah. Like a screen cap. Like it feels like they're trying to do that to a point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's full blown how do you do fellow students. But it's really much, no, it's almost hitting Yeah, it. and It's very much going down the hill. kind of what I was trying to get at earlier where it's like, yeah, it's much more, it's winking at you and saying, hey, look, we know, we know SpongeBob's a meme. We know it's dumb. We know it's beloved. Yeah. Like, here, look how much we understand yeah. what you understand about this show. We're hip like you. Yeah. It's very much like, we're we're the same, you and I. But yeah, but the but the writing doesn't show that because at this point yeah. there's no end goal. I mean the end actually there was an end goal and they just didn't follow it. Yeah. The end goal was SpongeBob becomes the manager of the Krusty Krab and that's his life goal. Right. And but they didn't follow that. So what do you do when you don't follow that? 
while you're just basically on life support for the rest of the show. Yeah, where it's the like, show and then just you, stagnates and you just yeah. come up with as many bits in that mm-hmm. vacuum that mm-hmm. you can. And you grind down every single <laughs> character through their most just basic ideal. It's, uh, what do you call uh, Flanderization? Yes, yeah. yes, Flanderization. You just kind of reduce yeah. the character. And it, I mean, it sucks too because it's like, yeah, you could maybe compare it to how the Simpsons are now, but like... Matt Groening is still involved with the Simpsons. Right. Like right. SpongeBob doesn't Hillenburg didn't even get a chance mm-hmm. in the in the latter half. I mean, our friend told us that like the last thing I think he does SpongeBob wise is the musical. Yeah. Which is why I think so many people enjoy that musical cuz it still has that has that breath of fresh air <laughs> that the series kind of needed. Yeah. As well as being nostalgic enough that there are 20-year-olds who are old enough that like maybe go to Broadway. Sure. Like for a trip and be like, oh, let's go see the SpongeBob musical. Yeah. And it's and it's wild. It's wild how much it's changed. And it's all that context that is much more interesting than talking about all three of these films. Because <laughs> it is really, it is the yeah, yeah. the peak of the roller coaster is the first film. Yeah. And then it just kind of chugs for the rest of it. Right. And it's interesting that we, you know, when we did the Kung Fu Panda trilogy, we talked about how that trilogy is like a good barometer for DreamWorks yeah. at the time of each movie's release. And this is like a good barometer for SpongeBob itself, like SpongeBob as a property. Yeah. These movies, you know, the first movie is firing on all cylinders. It's the show is at its peak. Mm-hmm. You know, it knows what it is. It's doing everything it can to maintain that and to keep surprising with that. Ten years later, well, ten plus years later, you mm-hmm. get a follow-up and it's like people are already kind of signing off of the show yeah <laughs> it's like i mean at that point it's well, like okay we're doing a movie what to resurrect this and then a few yeah. years later you get another movie like hey we're still here and also here's some teases for the spin-off show we're gonna be doing <laughs> oh i mean should we just get into that yeah, yeah, yeah. the biggest issue with the third film is the fact that even though i do not think the initial creation of this film was because of the prequel show that is coming out but the movie drags to a halt towards the end in the third act in the third act just to give us snippets of the camp coral tv show yeah it's uh well it's well it's framed as flashback these character all Mm -hmm. of spongebob's friends you know the classic squidward mr crab sandy all those Mm -hmm. are basically regaling an audience with you know their favorite memories or their first memories with spongebob yeah and of course they all met spongebob conveniently at this Same what's basically time. a summer camp called Camp Coral. And it's these flashbacks to them as little, you know, baby versions of themselves. And you know, lo and behold, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year ago or sometime fairly recently, they announced they were doing a prequel series spin off called Camp Coral. I think two years ago. Um, about exactly that young SpongeBob characters. And so yeah, this third act is basically just snippets from each character's perspective of what Camp Coral's going to be like. Yeah. It's like, and, cool. And what sucks, but what's also infuriating is in those flashbacks, flashbacks are beautifully animated. Spoiler alert, the, the show. The movie is yeah, beautifully yeah, animated. Yeah, but the Camp Coral aspects are just as beautifully animated as the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But the actual show itself looks really bad. It's a big downgrade. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a huge downgrade. Yeah. It definitely is. And then it's also the fact that, like, in these Camp Coral moments, they completely recast younger versions of each character almost. You have a young Sandy, you have a young SpongeBob, a young Patrick, a young Squidward, and they're all recast as, you know, 
kids because kids should play these characters. But in the prequel show, it's just the same cast. Yeah. And it's like, why would you go the effort to <laughs> trick kids into being excited for this show right. and, like, even recast people when you're just going to just do the same – like, you're just going to force Tom Kenny to do a lighter version of SpongeBob. And yeah. It's like, why? When it's why? like, at that point, like, are there – are there really going to be new inflections on the characters, or are they just characters in a different setting, basically? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's such a weird thing. It's so bizarre. To see, I, I, there's no other thing to compare it to. Yeah. Like, I think the only thing, I think we talked about, like, the only thing I could think of is when they did a one episode of Rugrats towards the end of the Rugrats show, where they just did All Grown Up, where they did yeah. a backdoor pilot. Yeah. And it made the show, but, like, it was one episode, maybe right. 22 minutes. As opposed to a feature-length film. Yeah, halting a feature-length film to do. <laughs> it is the equivalent of if you did, in a, like, a Avengers film, and you have new superheroes showing up, and they're like, I'm going to stop the film for a second so I can tell you how I met Hawkeye and why I'm here in the first place. Yeah, and then because like, we're doing a Hawkeye show. Yeah. Gotta and, show you the back. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and then you just do like a two minute snippet of like, this is how I met Hawkeye, and now I'm here. Well, Ta da! And, and it's like, that's oh. so stupid, story wise. The most brazen part about that is when Mr. Krabs steps up and he's like, it's time for me to do my bit. Now, I could tell you about the time SpongeBob convinced me to start a restaurant. I could tell you about the time SpongeBob told me to do this. I could tell you about the time SpongeBob and I did that. And and then he goes, but I'm not going to do that. And it's literally basically the movie saying, you have to watch the TV show to get all those parts. But even then, they show (laughs) flashbacks. No, they show flashbacks, but they don't, you know, it's like, here, let's tease out all the story beats and content for our upcoming uh, show that we're not going to get into right now because you got to watch the show and this is a commercial. It just is so... It's so disgraceful to a degree. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the final image you see is the uh, Stephen Hillenburg's original doodle of SpongeBob. And it says, in, memory in loving of memory of Stephen Hillenburg. And it's like... After you do the exact thing that he didn't, didn't want, want to show do. to become. And there it is. And here it is. And, it, and that's man, the legacy of SpongeBob. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's... Gosh, what an odd trilogy. What truly a fucking odd trilogy. Just the yeah, fact that it's odd like, that it exists, yeah. odd in its form. And the fact that like all three films I think were made for vastly different reasons. Where it's like first film is made because the first three seasons are killing it. So why not make a film? Oh yeah. Second film is made because it's like, well there's a bit of a resurgence and maybe we can bring back yeah, Nickelodeon's movies. Yeah, we can rekindle the excitement. Yeah, let's let's bring it back cuz I think around yeah, around the time Sponge Out of Water had come out, Rango had already happened and won yeah. Best Picture, which is a Nickelodeon movie, yeah. which is wild. Wait, best Picture? I think it won Best I Picture. I it was Best Animated Feature. A Best Animated Feature okay. is what I meant. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, don't I mean, if Rango it won if, winning Best No, picture. I think the artist won that year. Okay, but um yeah. Uh, if it, if it, if I got that right, <laughs> hell yeah. But, um, no, yeah. And then when the third film happens, it's like, I don't know. We did a Dora film. Why don't we just make a fucking SpongeBob yeah. third, like a third SpongeBob film? Like it's gonna, it's gonna be over soon. And it's like, that's how it feels. Yep. And it sucks because the animation, it's clear that like in the art department, they are putting everything into it. Yeah. I mean, hell, there is a new Paramount logo that is just called Paramount Animation 
yeah. there's like nothing else I could think of that has that <laughs> logo yet. So it's like, uh, yeah, oh, we're coming it. back, baby. And right. it's like, what are you coming back to? This is that that 3D Rugrats uh, reboot. Honestly, it looks good. Yeah, it looks good. It looks visually good, just like this movie looks yeah. visually good. I was gonna say you don't need to bring Elizabeth Daly back. She she did her job as Tommy Pickles. She doesn't need to be Tommy Pickles again. Uh, Why you gotta do that? If you're gonna do that, I don't know. It's it just I don't. That's the thing too is like we are so now disconnected from what cable network com- cartoons are now. Yeah, because like with streaming, everything is. Yeah. yeah, and with the fact that like I mean the only thing I think I know now is like. DuckTales is finished. They did three seasons and they're done. And then, like, when it comes to animation, it's like, Disney's like, I don't know. Like, we got a Tangled show that's still going. Right. We got this that might still be going. And with Nickelodeon, it's like, I don't know. We're doing SpongeBob. I think the Loud House is still on. Like, apparently, (laughs) Loud House is fun. Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's a good amount of stuff. I think there's good animation and animated shows out now. It's just like, it is. It's SpongeBob is just, I think, outdated at this mm-hmm. point to a degree. I mean, we know we know somebody who has kids and they watch the film together and they all enjoyed it in their own way. And I this definitely has the vibe of like if you have kids who will just gobble up literally anything SpongeBob, you can put it in front of them and they can enjoy it, and then you could probably sit down and watch it and you might forget it. Yeah, but you'll enjoy it maybe for the time it's at because it's like you're not. You're not really looking for, like, how much the show has changed since 2004 because, like, <laughs> the only reason why we're like uh, that is because we grew up with the show and we stopped watching around the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like collectively people were slowly in our generation watching less and less at the late 2000s era. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I'm growing up and nothing's really going to beat that movie. Right. And nothing really has. Nothing. I mean, honestly, the high point of the show yeah. is that movie and is the classic stuff that's in those first four seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, there's probably stuff that's good in five and six. There's maybe even yeah, an episode I mean, or two it, yeah, that's there's good definitely, now. But... It's not like it's all bad. It's no, just but like... been a gradual decline. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like when people talk about The Simpsons, where it's like I truly believe yeah. there's probably good episodes of The Simpsons, but how many mediocre episodes do I have to watch <laughs> to catch up to yeah. those good episodes? And it's, I mean, there's so much content out there. Why the hell would I watch that? <laughs> right, right. And that's kind of where it so is. So many now. great new things being yeah. thought up, like Camp Coral and the Patrick Star Show, which maybe after this we'll give Camp Coral a shot. <laughs> I love. I was half joking because I'm like I am kind of morbidly curious about the show, but the, the side eye that Andy gave me was so just like real. It, it was real and slightly intense that I was like I can't handle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you the first film is fantastic, the second film is not good. The third I mean, film's not good either. Yeah, I mean, we'll also say that like we both have seen the first film many times. I saw the second film for the first time through this rewatch. Oh, okay. Uh, and then yeah. we both saw Sponge on the Run for the first time because it just came out. Right. <laughs> and when I watched Sponge Out of the Water, I was genuinely just bored out of my mind and like mind-numbingly like, where is this going? I was told there were going to be superhero sections <laughs> and it's like n- doing nothing right now. Right. And then the third film, it's like, it starts off, oh, this is actually kind of fun. I'm enjoying this. And then and it derails. It loses steam. It loses steam. Not immediately, but noticeably enough. 
that it becomes uh, a chore by the end of it. But um, yeah, that is the SpongeBob SquarePants theatrical trilogy. And to be honest, it's going to be a wild trip from this point <laughs> yeah, forward. Because yeah. we're, I'm not just going to announce what the next film we're oh, watching announce is. Announce the month. We're, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be the month of Snyder. We are doing the rest of Zack Snyder's filmography. Yep. We are going to do, next week on the 13th, we are doing... Sucker Punch. We're yeah, doing we're the prequel. We're basically dovetailing the yeah. uh, you know the rise of Snyder trilogy we did back in the yeah. fall. We did uh, we did we Guardians did of Kahul. You know yeah. had a great time. Now we have to go back down to hell to yeah. watch Sucker Punch. And with with the with the release of the Snyder cut of mm-hmm. Justice League on its way, we were like, well, we gotta we gotta you know complete mm-hmm. the Snyder filmography, mm-hmm. and in order to do so, we gotta make a pit stop at Sucker Punch on the way, yes. and then. We will be diving into his uh, his DC Comics films, mm-hmm. uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, uh, Justice League, and Justice League. Because that's the thing, too. It would be just the three films if it wasn't for the Snyder Cut. <laughs> You're right, right. The Snyder Cut completely changes that scenario. So what we're going to do is on the 13th, we're doing Sucker Punch. On the 20th, the week the Snyder Cut comes out, we are going to start off with a dual episode of having Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And then the 27th, yes, we are going to finish off the month of Snyder with not only talking about the theatrical cut of Justice League, but also talking about... The four-hour probably cut. mostly about <laughs> the four-hour yeah. Snyder. Cut. We, we're we're cutting. We're pushing them both together because they're basically they're going to be they're going to be some things. I Two think iterations in both films. of yeah. of the same thing. They're yeah they're the, they're the same film totally. No, I mean yep. it's 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 hard not to talk about the Snyder cut without talking about what led to the Snyder right, cut right, now, right. and that's as we much have to, as as yeah. much as he might prefer we just talk about the Snyder yeah. cut and you know wish the original out of existence. But yeah. We don't live in that reality. So on the twenty seventh we are doing both versions of the of Justice League. Yep. We'll call it even though Snyder's name is on the theatrical cut, we're doing the theatrical cut and his director's cut basically. Right. And then after that, no Snyder until probably May when his Army of the Dead. Or yeah, he's got a new movie coming. He's got out. his he's got a zombie film that's coming out we'll on Netflix. Maybe throw a, throw another little. We'll do another prequel. Prequel on there. But yeah, so the rest of March is going to be Snyder. <laughs> Strap in, folks. Please do. Honestly, I think this one. I mean, I enjoyed. Okay, enjoyed is not the right word, but you know, I appreciated going through his early filmography yeah. for the po- for the sake of, you know, the yeah. podcast and breaking it apart and stuff. Yeah. I I think I'll have more fun with this just because I've been more invested in his his DC career. I've also been yeah. infinitely more disappointed by his DC career, but you know, I've I've had a stake in it. I'm yeah. into, you know, we're both superhero fans and that yeah. sort of thing, and it's just been interesting to see how the entire DC slate of films has kind of been shaped around his original vision for it. It's kind of funny to think, like, I, yeah, as someone who has seen, I think at this point, every one of his films except for Snyder Cut at this point, it's, it is one of, like, I remember as they were coming out, it was like Sucker Punch was the, like, well, I don't think we're going to hear from Snyder anytime soon. He's going to probably do something else. Yeah. Then gets put on, yeah, gets put on DC's, version of the 
MCU, right, and then becomes the head of it for a while <laughs> yeah. until Justice League, which we will absolutely get into. Yeah. Um, and but, now they're kind of trying to distance themselves from him as hard as they can, I'm, which is interesting. Yeah. As as just a just a fair warning and disclaimer for the Snyder Cut episode, it's. It probably is going to be long. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, long movie. <laughs> it's gonna. Be, yeah, we are. We are going. Four hour movie. So. We are going to be watching six hours of Justice League content at a certain point. Yeah. And it's also the fact that we are going to be mainly talking about two before talking about that content. The wild fucking production journey that that film has led up to at this point, and yeah. the and the drama surrounding it. But yeah, until then, and tune in next week. As we watch Sucker Punch, which you haven't seen yet, right? I've not seen Sucker Punch. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. So tune in on the 13th when we watch Sucker Punch. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.